2: Welcome to the Seventh Inning Stretch podcast. It's a uh, Sunday evening, mid-May. Major the major the majors races are starting to shape up a little bit, and well, to be quite honest, we just had a really, really, really eventful week in baseball. And here to discuss it with me, as always, is Armando Angulo. Hello, Armando.
0: Hey, Justin. How are you, my man? It's uh, it's good to chat. Uh, it's the first time we chat since uh, we actually met in person. Yeah.
2: Indeed, indeed, that was a, that was a a fun night, and also you know. The fact is we were both in the house to see one of probably the, the single greatest regular season home run in history.
0: Oh, yeah. It, it, you know, clearly, without a doubt, hands down, you know, it's the unicorn of baseball right there. dude. it's the mythical the, the mythical beast. And uh, it was fitting that Bartolo Colonna hit a dinger with us there.
2: Oh, it was amazing. Absolutely amazing. And San Diego itself is a nice city, um, like the ballpark quite a bit. And uh, definitely enjoy myself seeing the Mets win two out of three there, although watching them get swept by the Rockies in Denver this weekend was a bitter swill, a better, bitter pill to swallow. Uh, but also during this week, you know, your, our teams played against each other and split two games, two games
0: yeah i mean uh you know a rematch of the l c s from last year it was uh it was a uh, you know well contested toughly contested what what we expected probably from these two teams, even though i 'm not too happy with where the dodgers are uh still i think they 're still too inconsistent for my liking but uh yeah i mean it 's early i mean i 'm saying that you know i think every month i've been saying that, and we'll probably say that next month too that it 's still early but uh yeah, I mean, it, it was a good series. A lot of fun. Uh, Noah Sendingard is p- becoming one of my favorite players on an opposing team, even though, you know, he single-handedly beat us in his in his start against us with two dingers. But that was a f- fantastic performance, man. I, I enjoyed every bit of that series.
2: Yeah, and then also, uh, you, know, the next, you know, the next night seeing Kershaw, where the second that Kershaw got a 4-0 lead, I actually believe I sent you a message immediately just declaring it ball game. Is that guy's Clayton Kershaw, um, in games where he, in games where he's gotten at least four runs of run support in his career is 81 and oh.
0: Wow. Wow. That's impressive. That's impressive. Yeah. You
2: have him four runs, he wins every time. Yeah, Now well, I wonder you know. how, I wonder how many, how many no decisions he has like that, but I'd also picture that number being quite low as well.
0: Uh, it is low, but uh, I think it's probably higher than you'd probably uh, expect, but it, I mean, I'm pretty sure it's pretty low.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of low, let's get into the uh, the, the latest breaking thing in baseball. Uh, rough slide by Joey Bautista in second base uh, leads Runeo Dor to cold cock Joey Bats. What are are your feelings on it?
0: First off, the punch, phenomenal. I I thought it was great form, straight right, caught him so clean, it was perfect. But secondly, in reality, dude... That's just good old fashioned baseball. I didn't see anything that dirty about it. I guess, you know, he slid through the bag, but uh, I don't know. In our day, I'm sure that, that, that was cleaner than most slides we're used to seeing to break up double plays. I, I, I mean, to, to, to get, you know, up in arms the way he did and to act like that's the first time that's ever happened in the game or that's ever happened to him or that's the dirtiest thing he's ever seen is just stupid. Uh, uh, you know, it, it, we we've talked about this already earlier today on Twitter and and it's just, you know, it's retaliation for what happened, you know, last year in the playoffs. And and you know, the the bat flip situation and yeah, the most epic bat flip situation of all time. But for me, if I was Joey Bats even back then, I said it then, I'd do the same exact thing probably. I mean, how could you not?
2: Yeah, I well, on top of that too. People get so torn up for these things like unwritten rules like yeah, you know, the bat—you can't do a bat flip because it's showing up your opponent. Who was it earlier this week? Um, uh, John Lackey calling out a backup catcher for the San Diego Padres because Christian Betancourt took him deep, and he didn't like Betancourt's home run trot. Well, if you don't like his home run trot, there's only one thing you can really do about it: don't give up a home run to him.
0: That's right, John Lackey. Lesson learned, asshole. I, I kind of yeah. hate John Lackey.
2: Oh, he's he's very detestable.
0: Yeah, he's 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 uh, you know, I know we said we'd never mention Kurt Schilling again, but he's Kurt Schilling, you know a Jace. I get that. Yeah. Vibe.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for breaking the no shilling rule.
0: Sorry, dude. I know it was early. I couldn't do it.
2: I know. I know. But, um, yeah, it's just, with or he's, just got to learn like, you know, you drilled, you drilled him to put him on base. He's going to slide in hard to second. You just got to deal with it, not make it worse. He's like, now, you know, the next time that these two teams play, uh, yeah, you know, Rob Manfred's issuing a warning immediately, you know, before the games, Don't throw it at anybody, because that's now um, a rivalry that's got some some juice to it and some blood.
0: Yeah, it does. I mean, rivalries are always good, man, and it's good to see it when it's highly contested. But I think, you know, in this situation, it was a cheap shot. Uh, Eventually, you just got to get over it. And like you said, if you don't want, you know, people to be doing bat flips or celebrating home run trots in certain ways, you just get better. Uh, don't make those mistakes and uh, try to avoid that situation instead of fucking being pissed off that, you know, you left a hanger or you did whatever you did. You know what I mean? It's just, I don't know. You got to take some responsibility.
2: Yeah, fully, fully agreed. Fully agreed. So then on, on to the next thing uh, that, that kind of caught my attention this week. During the course of this week, we got to see both David Ortiz, basically have to be restrained from, from, from what looking like he was going to kill an umpire on a called third strike. And it had Bryce Harper, uh, effectively tossed out of a game and then on a walk-off hit, walking towards home plate and basically telling him, I believe, to suck it or something along those lines. Uh, <laughs> there's, there's two questions. There's two questions for me here. First off, how does Big Poppy get a pass on all of these kinds of antics? Cause he does them quite a bit and nobody ever brings them up when talking about him. And, uh, if you're Bryce on uh, the Bryce Harper thing, like how childish is that?
0: Well, uh, I'll answer the second thing first. I I think Bryce Harper is a child still. He's grown up, you know... Always with all this hype and always with a sense of entitlement, like you're the man, you're the man. Has he lived up to the hype? Yeah, he has. But I mean, uh, it—it—he's it, just the ego, man. He just has to one up the umpire. It's not what you want to see in the game. But he's young, and he'll hopefully learn, and this will grow out of this type of stuff. Uh, it's unnecessary, especially you know, at, at this level of the game. I mean, you, you guys got the walk off. I mean, the game ended. It is what it is. Whether you're happy with certain calls that go on during the game, I I'm sure there's in every game players are unhappy but to act that way is just unnecessary after the fact especially and then for 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 david ortiz man I, I don't understand it i've been asking the same question myself for quite some time is how does he keep getting away with this because it's it's pretty deplorable the way he acts and the the, the amount of fume and rage he directs to umpires on a regular basis uh you know being restrained like you said is it the first time we've have to see this like he he's literally gonna it looks like he's enraged he's gonna kill Someone. yes physical damage he's got a bat in his hand still it's just unnecessary he's constantly throwing his helmet he's throwing these tantrums and, and i mean Look, dude, I get it. You know, you take pride in what you do. You're a professional hitter. You don't field, so hitting is that much more like significant to you. And and then you're you're up in arms about any wrong call. But get over it, dude. You're not the fucking only dude that that that's ever been fucking called out on a slider that's off the plate by two inches. It is what it is. Get over it. Get off your high horse. It's just a it's just a self entitlement, man. That's the best way I could put it. It's just self entitlement.
2: Absolutely, but also just a. Uh as a podcast, I think we'd like to send a brief congratulations to David Ortiz for becoming only the third player in major league history to have five hundred home runs and six hundred doubles. Joining Barry Bonds and Hank Aaron.
0: Yeah, congrats. I love Poppy. I love Poppy. I just yeah. think, you know, in these situations it, it it's it's not the best Poppy, you know. It's not the best for him or for the game in reality.
2: Yeah, I mean he's just gotta chill out. Like don't don't yell at the ump from that close.
0: Yeah, exactly. But-
2: so I'm actually going through the uh, the the uh, agenda list that I wrote out la- earlier this week, and I'm like, what well, still applies? Yeah, sure. So Scherzer's twenty Scherzer's twenty strikeout game definitely applies. I mean, 114 pitches, 96 strikes.
0: Yeah, dude, ridiculous, just ridiculous. I mean, uh, you know, I, I can. I, he made two mistakes, two home runs. Uh, the guy was on fire, dude. I, I, for me, Max Scherzer, although. I mean, he's been doing this consistently and been a, a really good pitcher for quite some time. Uh, for me, he's still somebody that runs under, flies under the radar. But this, for me, uh, is it the most impressive, uh, you know, 20 strikeout game in memory? No, I think I was in awe of Kerry Wood when I was younger. So for me, that one's probably the most memorable. Uh, or I guess memorable, yeah, but this might have been the most impressive. Like you said, some of the stats, the underlying stats here are, are pretty impressive for Max Scherzer, man.
2: See with Scherzer, he's one of those guys. He's, I think, he's that pitcher in baseball. When he's like really, really, really on, he is the absolute, like, he's the absolute best. Like, what was it? He had two starts last year where he pitched a no hitter, only only losing a perfect game because of a hit batsman in the eighth, in the in, in the ninth inning, and then a one a complete game one hitter to follow that up. Then at the end of last season, at a game I had the misfortune, the misfortune of witnessing in person, he goes out and pitches a seventeen strikeout. No hitter against the Mets. And he has a night like this. Like, he can be so on that when he's on, like, his rec, it's record breaking type of stuff. It's just he's, he's got a consistency issue. Scherzer melted down, down the stretch last year. He's been getting hit hard thus far this year. And that 20, you know, the 20 strikeout game thus far is by, I mean, it's going to probably be the best outing of his career. So it might not be, uh, or maybe actually last year's no hitter was, but, he just has that ability, like Arietta, to be so insanely dominant in, uh, in a one game when he has his stuff. It's, yeah, it's unreal.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I think the most impressive stat or underlying stat there is that he, he struck out a quarter of the batters he faced in that game. And that's like 5% more than, than, than Johan's, uh, nineteen uh, I mean, uh, yeah, 19 strikeout percentage would, you know, and that's, that's really impressive, dude. A quarter of the batters face to strike them out is really tough to do over nine innings.
2: At what point, like, when you're watching a game and you see, like, this guy's got this many strikeouts, do you really start to pay attention?
0: For me, it's probably, like, 14 to 15, man. You know, we see the 11, 12, 13 strikeouts all the time yeah. now with all the power arms in the game. So, really, you got to get about 15, and then I'll start, you know, raising an eyebrow,
2: probably. That's That sounds about right. You know, just trying to think about how many, like, you know, like, you know, massive dominant strikeout games I've seen in recent years where I have to think about it. It's just, you know, it's always the games where it's, like, 13, 14, 15, that I start to peek into and be like, man, that pitcher's doing something special.
0: Yeah, 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 exactly. I mean, we live in an era where double-digit strikeouts is a common place, dude. But once you start, you know, especially if it's still early in the game, you're in the you know, fifth, sixth, seventh inning, and they're piling up these strikeouts, then you really catch the attention of everybody, I think.
2: But it's also weird, because I think we've been conditioned now to think, once you see that many strikeouts also, that, you know, oh, this guy's only going to last six innings because he's used too many pitches to do it.
0: Yeah, that's true too. That's very true.
2: Yeah, so like we get you get that going, and all of a sudden you see pitch counts, and you're like, uh. I mean, it was like Adam Conley earlier this year for uh, the Marlins against the against the uh, Brewers. Uh, you know, he had a no hitter going and was pulled because his, his uh his manager just thought, you know, his pitch count is getting too high, so we need to protect his arm. It's very, it's, it's a very strange error. You don't let anybody like roll with uh, their pitches anymore.
0: Yeah, yeah, we, we we see, I think we live in an era where everything's just micromanaged, man, to the T, where I think stats have, have, have taken over the game and percentages and everything else has taken over the game to the extent that uh, it's just micromanaged and, and it's not, you know, managed from the gut. Everything is, is all statistics and, and it's just one of those things. Dude. It's the evolution of the game, I guess.
2: Yeah, it's just, it it drives me a little bit nuts, though, because sometimes I do want to see a guy go complete, throw throw a complete game, but then I also realize how much money these guys have invested in their arms at this point. And you're not gonna go out there and throw that extra inning in a game where you it's in hand just because of the fact that you know your 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 management is probably being very pro very active to the communicating to the team, like don't destroy his arm. Scouts in the organizations are all trying to protect everybody's arms, so nobody goes beyond that threshold anymore.
0: Yeah, 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 exactly, man. And actually this is a good segue. You know, um, we're gonna talk about Steven Strasburg, man. I want to talk about that too. What are your thoughts on the New Deal, um, and, and and what do you think? How that impacts the rest of the market there?
2: Um, I, first off, I have to say that I hate Scott Boris because he just made Matt Harvey cost so much money. Yes, yes. Even does. though Matt Harvey's not pitching himself to that point right now, but um, Matt, you know, he Strasburg getting seven years, one hundred seventy-five million for a guy who's you know had had Tommy John surgery, and I get the Tommy John surgery now is like you know it effectively. You know, low risk surgery and, and I say effectively low risk, I just mean because of the fact that people recover from it and people, re- you know, they recover from it. They pitch well and that that goes as it does. But seeing a guy get that much money coming off, it makes you know, that's really what hammers home. It's like, well, if you tear your elbow and it gets repaired, it doesn't it doesn't stop you from making a lot of money. I think that the contract's going to be bad at the end, by the way.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, I, I don't know. With the wear and tear on his arm already, it's kind of hard to see him, uh, really lasting throughout the end of that contract and being really effective. Uh, I mean, we could be proved wrong there, of course, but I, I just don't see that happening. Uh, You know, like you said, Scott Boris is really good at what he does, man. And uh, whether you like the guy or you don't, he's always making sure that his clients are taken care of. And and I think this is a deal that had to get done uh, uh, for for Strasburg, obviously, because I don't don't know if uh, he would have got this type of money or at least this length later on in the open market. I think uh, he – I don't know. I think it's a bad move for the Nats.
2: I do too, especially also because of the fact that you're going to have Harper coming up to free agency in two years. You're paying Scherzer already a ton. Like Scherzer, I think is actually getting paid. I think it's only eight. He he signed a seven-year deal, also worth about I think two hundred million dollars. That's gonna be a lot of arm. That's gonna be a lot of money to two just the two pitchers
0: who are just gonna get progressively worse, dude.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, Scherzer's thirty-one. Strasburg's twenty-seven. Strasburg the end. The last two years of that contract are gonna are gonna look rough.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I get that some of this money is going to be deferred or whatever that means, but, I mean, you know about deferred payments and whatnot. I mean, we don't have to go there, but I'm just saying, you know all I mean, we
2: can, we can.
0: All right, I, I just want to ask you, I know we've talked about this, but now that we're here, I just want to ask you on, you know, recording this, what are your thoughts on Bobby Bonilla? Let the people know about the Bobby Bonilla situation, and I'm just going to shut up and let you go off on your little rant for a couple minutes here.
2: Okay. So the worst thing you could do when you're running a baseball franchise is trust your finances to Bernie Madoff. Uh, the Mets being a franchise that pride themselves on doing the worst thing that you can do at any point in time followed that advice. And Madoff and ins- Madoff advised the Mets that instead of giving Benia a payout where they settle the contract once and for all, they invest the money with him and they, and then they design the payout. So it would be an annuity paid to Bobby Benia. That would pay him through 2025. So Bobby Bonilla gets a million dollars on every, I think, every April from the Mets until 2025. Bobby Bonilla hasn't played a game for the New York Mets since 1999. And that's disturbing. It's so bad. <laughs> keep, so, so bad.
0: Yo, man, that Bonilla family, you're keeping them rich, man. You guys are keeping them uh, rich.
2: Bobby Bo has like the world's greatest pension plan.
0: Oh yeah. And it's there's this consensus on Mets fans. I mean, it's not Bobby's fault, bro. It's not Bobby's fault.
2: No, but you know what? Benia could have, it's not his fault. I mean, the only thing that was his fault was having a terrible attitude and not playing well. But uh the uh, you know, the, you they signed the wrong player from Pittsburgh at that point in time. That mu- that much you can certainly say.
0: <laughs> yeah, without a doubt. I think uh that that for sure is consensus.
2: Yeah, they signed the wrong Pittsburgh player. But uh you can't fault Bonilla. You could just, it just also, he could have spent every dollar he made as an athlete, gone completely broke. And then in retirement, got like the ultimate do over of getting a million dollars a year given to him.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, for sure, man.
2: Yeah. But it's, it's, um, it's fun to remind myself once every year that we're still paying Bob and
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah i'm sure it is i'm sure it is but that uh, here here's a bit of better news i want to get your thoughts on this you probably feel a little bit better about this situation uh kansas city royals they kind of blow how do you feel about they're it? not
2: they're not very good it's it's basically nobody on the team is playing particularly well outside outside eric Hosmer. hosmer has been good but he's not getting any opportunities to hit with men on base chris young is regressed ian kennedy's actually been a decent signing um He's not. This isn't going to hold up for him because of the fact that he's just not a pitcher who's going to pitch you a two ERA or not or you know leave men off base because that's just not what he does. But he's been a he's been a pleasant surprise. But the rest of the team, I mean, Lorenzo Cain hasn't really hit. uh Mike Mustakis hasn't really hit. Alex Gordon's been absolutely awful. Salvador Perez hasn't really hit. Like they're just they're just regressing. They just look like a team that's played a lot of baseball and have a slight hangover. It's kind of like with the Mets. The Mets, I think, also look like a team with a hangover. It's just there's more talent in the rotation, and the Mets are also playing a a weaker schedule. But I think playing that deep into October and November really can frustrate the start of a season for you.
0: No, that makes perfect sense, man. I mean, you know, your offseason is much shorter. and and Yeah, that makes perfect sense. You can be a little leggy, and it it takes you a little bit of time to get back into it. But, uh, I mean, for me, I'm pretty surprised, actually, because... We kind of expected that, uh, you know, that whole division to be a little bit different. You know, the White Sox are still flying pretty high. Chris Sale's still dominating. Todd Frazier still hitting the crap out of the ball. Do you think that, you know, that this could be a race till the end between, uh, the Royals and the Sox?
2: Well, yes and no. I think the Royals are eventually going to catch him and overtake him. I mean, they're not, they're not still so far behind that they can't. But, uh, the thing for me with this entire with, with the uh the Royals and the White Sox in that division because I'm counting out uh so I'm gonna count out Detroit and Minnesota already
0: not my twins
2: I know. <laughs> I, 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 I know I know the twins are so bad
0: no dude they're terrible nothing's I'm going so dis- right there I'm so disappointed 13 games back and it's like May 15th bro come on come on
2: I referred to them as one of the worst teams in Bay it's one of the few predictions that I think I nailed spot on was them in Atlanta being the two worst teams in baseball?
0: And look at you just gloating, just gloating already.
2: Well, I was wrong on. I was wrong on a lot of other things.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was I'm wrong gonna, on most things
2: too. Yeah, I'm just gonna take my. I'm just gonna take my credit where I can.
0: Fair enough, brother. Fair enough.
2: But uh, I, I, th- I think that's gonna be. A, I think it's gonna be a race in the Central. Um, they uh, the, the White Sox are still deep enough to be to played pretty well. I don't buy a lot of the things that have happened, um, i.e. Matt Latos having a career renaissance, which is starting to fade, by the way.
0: Yeah, it's going to fade, man. Matt Latos is garbage. I'm sorry, Matt, but you're garbage. Garbage.
2: Yeah, garbage was a little classier than Matt Latos. It really <laughs> is.
0: <laughs> That's the truth right there. That's a fact, Jack.
2: Yeah, Matt that, that, that Latos is like the, the baseball equivalent of a bad half-sleeve tattoo.
0: Oh, that is the best reference, I think. I think that should be, like, his Twitter bio information. That's exactly what it should be.
2: Yeah. But he, yeah, I mean, I, I, I like the White Sox. I have nothing against them as an organization or as a franchise. Um, you know, unassuming fan base, not as vocal as the Cubs, went through a long period of misery and won themselves a title between 1917 and 2005. But uh, I, 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 I like I like the team. I like the uh, the vibe around them. Now that Adam LaRoche is gone. They yeah. lost a leader.
0: Yeah, 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 exactly. Who knew all you needed
2: was a little less LaRoche? Well, when I said they lost a the leader, I was talking about his son.
0: Well, obviously we both knew that, dude. The press conference yeah, could sale. Dude, we were all there. We were all yeah. there.
2: Uh, but that I mean that that uh, the rest of that division's awful. The, the, twin, uh, the twins, obviously as we spoke about the Tigers are every bit as bad as we thought they would be, even with Jordan Zimmerman looking like the best pitcher alive.
0: Yeah, right. I mean, at least that's paying off for them. But the rest of that team just is, is not it's not clicking. You know, the last 10 games, they're, they're two and eight. It's just really they can't win at home. They can't win on the road, dude. It's just really, really sad uh, how far the Tigers have come so fast in only the matter of like two or three years, dude.
2: Yeah. So so moving away from from the uh, AL Central to the AL East uh, today, Carlos Beltran hit his 400th home run. The Yankees took their third straight series. They remain in the last eight eight places, uh, back eight games back of Boston. But uh, does this team suck, or do they not suck? I I can't figure them out. Uh, What do you think?
0: I think it's good. Uh, I mean. I would like to get Simon Brundish on here and ask him this very question. And, uh, I think he'd give us a very honest assessment, even as a Yankee fan. Uh, from the outside looking in, I don't really have a bias towards the Yankees. I know you kind of hate the Yankees and shit, but like for me, I don't really care all that much. Uh, yeah, they suck, bro. They're not that good at baseball.
2: No, no, it's just, I just wonder about, because it, it's such an old lineup, but the, but I think they've also started to hit their stride since A Rod went on the TL.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's kind of surprising, especially how important he was last year. And They are, they, they, they are seven and three in the last 10 games. So they might be picking up a little bit of momentum. But for me, it's just like, dude, even seven and three and you only have 16 wins in the last 10. I mean, you guys, you guys aren't that good. You can't be that good.
2: Yeah. I, I think that it might finally be, uh, the Yankees need to actually commit themselves to not going out and spending money in free agency for like two or for two years just to clear out the bad contracts they have. And then basically re re like reequate themselves with uh, the the economics of baseball, or just wait for Bryce Harper to hit free agency and give an offer him half half a billion.
0: Yeah, exactly. Which is probably what we're going to see. I mean, I don't see the Yankees really going out and spending too much money. I think, in a realistic sense, uh, they need to get younger, a lot, lot, lot younger, and a lot, qu- and, and they need to do that quick. But uh, it is going to take a, a number of years, and it is a process. But with the amount of money and pool that the Yankees have, uh, it, it's only a matter of time before they do get that star. Sh- you know. They get, you know, Murderer's Row going again, and it is what it is. The Bombers will always be the Bombers, and the Yankees are going to be the Yankees. It's just, you know, a cycle of it all, and they'll be back, for sure.
2: Yeah, at no point during the last few things that you said did I not feel internally like gagging.
0: I understand that, dude. But, like, for baseball, it's good when the Yankees are good, dude. It is what it is. It is. What no, it I is. know,
2: and, and, I, and I get you. I happen to think that you're right on that fact, because I think that that's a team that just needs to shed contracts, yeah, you know, they have to share a done after this year. A rod done after next year. Basically, they just have to wait out um, Sabathia's contract runs out. I think after this year as well. Uh, you know, it's basically just waiting out a lot of the contracts that were signed to effectively win the two thousand nine World Series. Exactly. You know, that one. That one World Series is costing them five years.
0: Yeah, it'll, it, it might, it might cost them a whole decade, like, until they really get that traction going. But, I mean, it is what it is, you know?
2: Yeah, they, st- they still won a World Series. Exactly.
0: I'm still waiting for mine and stuff. So it is what it is, dude, you know?
2: Yeah, I, I am too. <laughs> but then moving, moving in the division, uh, teams that you want to face least as a pitching staff, how, f- how far up are the Boston Red Sox?
0: Ah, uh, you know what, man? They're pretty, they're pretty far up there. Uh, they're really hitting the ball well. Uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. is in his stride. Uh, you know, for me, you know, Panda is injured and, and out and then it, it's turned out that they don't need him. Shaw has been great. This it, is, it's been surprising for me because I didn't expect them to be this good, you know, but, but, but yeah, man, they're they really gotta be up there in, in, in teams I don't want to face if I was a pitcher.
2: Yeah, and I, and I don't see it fading because of the fact what's going to happen is, you know, they've gotten some performances that are better than expected from guys like Rick Porcello, Stephen Wright. Um, but then you have the fact that David Price, you know, the big money signing hasn't been very good. So you'd expect that the regression from some of those pitchers in the back end of the, of the rotation will be offset by David Price returning to being David Price.
0: Yeah, I think I mean we we've grown accustomed to seeing David Price have slow starts and not get it going too well too early and stuff. But yeah, I mean he's bound to pick it up. Uh, he's he, he's David Price. He's he's a Cyan contender year after year, and he he has his stuff's too good not to figure it out. He's familiar with the division. None of this is new for him, so it's only a matter of time. And and if they can continue to play ball like this, then they're going to be a really really serious contender going deep into October, and and, and even with as bad as Clay Buchholz is. God, Clay Buckholz is cost to in fantasy Clay baseball is I hate so
2: guy. bad. I hate that guy. I, I I can understand hating Clay Buckholz. I've I've you know I've, I've had the conversation with Red Sox fans about Clay Buckholz. Uh the you know when when you when you run into the misfortune of running into one who actually uh believes that Clay Buckholz is a solid major league pitcher, you can just recite to them that he's thirty one years old and he's never had a two hundred inning season.
0: Yeah, man. Yeah, exactly. I, I, these people that still think that Clay Buchholz is up and coming are, are, are fooling themselves. He, he's already on the back end of this career. It's ending. Yeah. So. Nobody, nobody.
2: Nobody turns it around and finds like all the potential they had, and then and then flourish for ten years at thirty-one. At that point, you pretty much are what you are.
0: There it is. Exactly. So Clay Buchholz, you're mediocre at best.
2: Yeah. Or you just start taking steroids.
0: Well, that's always an option, and, you know, you and me are not, you know, we're not against that. I mean, do what you have to do, man.
2: Yeah, yeah, you got you to feed your family.
0: Hey, I'm with that.
2: Uh, so then also uh, within the uh, AL East, the uh, the Baltimore Orioles have, haven't um, fallen off yet. I didn't, I didn't expect that. I would have thought they were going to.
0: Yeah, man. How good have they been? Mark Trumbo has been a
2: revelation there. Trumbo is crushing the ball. Adam Jones is finally starting to hit this week.
0: Yes, yes, yes. And that's good to see. Adam Jones is is on fire, dude. You know, in his last seven, he's hitting 433, four homers and nine RBIs, dude. That's ridiculous. 433 in seven games. You know that's great.
2: He's he's crushing the ball. Yeah, man. He's, um, He's a great player.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, he is—he's a great player, and, and you know, Jonathan Scope's playing well, and, and and you know, if players like Scope can continue to play well for this team, then you know what—they're real, real threat going deep into this playoffs too.
2: Yeah, the pitching is better than I thought that it would be, also. Yeah, especially well, the back end of that bullpen.
0: Exactly. Exactly. I think they're all maybe overachieving. Uh, I, I don't think we underestimated them per se. I just think they're really overachieving and everything's clicking. And, and it may just be one of those years that, you know, a team like this just, you know, brings it together and, and, and can go deep. I mean, players are playing really well. Like you said, Mark Trumbull has been just absolutely crushing the ball for this team and nobody would have probably expected that. He's not going to hit for a high average, dude, but he's got 40 home run potential and 120 RBIs in that bat for sure.
2: Yeah, I mean, especially in that lineup, too, considering that you can't really... It's tough to pitch around anybody. You can still... Like, that's a team you can still attack and strike them out quite a bit because, well, there are just a lot of guys who swing for a ton... who swing, you know, really, really hard and try to hit the ball very, very far. But when that works, it, uh, it can be devastating.
0: Absolutely, dude. Absolutely. There's no doubt about it.
2: Yeah. So... Want to get into players of the week? Let's do it. All right. So who's your uh, National League player of the week?
0: For the National League, dude, I'm going to go with Addison Russell. Addison Russell's been playing pretty good, dude. He's he's, he's hitting at about 380, uh 13 RBIs. You know, that's that's not bad for, for a player like Addison Russell, man. 13 RBIs driving the ball in more than – I mean, driving the runs in more than we probably expect. And It's just been a good week, and then he's having those opportunities and coming through. So uh, for me, it was Addison Russell.
2: All right, um, I'm going to go with Noah Syndergaard.
0: Yeah, well, I can't argue with that. Uh, I would have probably gone with Noah as well, except he did it to us.
2: That's fair. I mean, basically, even though it's only one game in the week, it's yeah, you know, eight, eight, uh, eight strong innings, a win, six strikeouts over those eight innings, and two homers, four RBIs, you know, a, a really just all around solid performance.
0: Yeah, not a bad, not a bad way to, uh, to 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 finish up your your work week right there.
2: How about
0: in the, uh, the AL? Uh, for me, it's got to be Jackie Bradley, dude. He's been smoking the ball. He's hitting over five hundred in his last seven. He's got uh, fifteen RBIs in his last seven. He's really, really scorching the ball. Overall, on the year, he's hitting over three thirty. It's it, it's pretty impressive what he's doing, and, and this is what I think uh, the Red Sox have been waiting for for Jackie Bradley for a few years now.
2: Yeah, he looks he looks really good. Uh, I was gonna I was gonna pick him also, but now for the sake of Finding someone else, I'm actually going to go with Travis Shaw, hitting 423 for the week, two homers, nine ribbies, uh, not just another all around solid week. Then I mean, basically, you can pick anybody from the Red Sox lineup this week, and you'd have a solid case for them as the Player of the Week.
0: That's right, the Red Sox are on fire. Uh, but knowing us, giving them all this praise, uh, they're going to be shit this week. And next week, we'll be talking about how bad the Red Sox have been.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a that's a funny thing with the AL East. It's such a it's such a tight division that basically the four teams uh, at the top right now, basically meaning Tampa Bay, Boston, Toronto and uh, Tampa Bay, Boston, Toronto, Baltimore, all can basically take that division. I think the Yankees are just kind of dead, though. I I, I think the Yankees are the also ran there.
0: Yeah, no, I think we agree with that. Uh It's going to be a nice little race, probably a three-headed race going down the stretch, but uh it should be fun. It should be fun. I mean, we'll talk about it in a month and see where we're at, especially because, you know, things change and they're very fluid, but I think it's going to be a fun race uh for the, for the long stretch here.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, there, I mean, any, any games you want to see coming up this week? What's your matchup to watch?
0: Oh, it's got to be the freeway series, dude. Dodgers-Angels, that's coming up this week, and uh it's nice. always fun. I got to, you know, it's always a grudge match. It's always good here, uh, and we're probably going to end up dominating. We haven't had the best overall record against them in the last few years, but uh I think they're really bad, and we're better than that. So hopefully it goes well for us.
2: Yeah, let me ask you a question then about the Angels quickly. Go ahead. You heard that basically there were rumors about Trout being tossed around in a trade talks, right? Yeah, I heard that. Yeah, but would you do that or no? Would you trade? Would you? What conceivable way would you trade Mike Trout if you were the Angels GM?
0: I mean, it's, it, for as bad as they are and as much money as they have tied up to players that they can't get rid of, like Pujols and stuff like that, I think it's. Uh they're gonna to have to eventually man because without getting rid of Mike Trout they don't have a deep enough farm system they don't have young pieces that are coming through and being uh, that you could see them grooming I think Mike Socia's time there is getting stale too it's not really achieving much they, they might need time for change and a lot of things might be going on in the background there and, and they have to I think man because trading Mike Trout wouldn't shock me that much it would be I think uh, a lot like when Texas traded uh, Alex Rodriguez and stuff like that you just got to get a good haul, man, if, if, if you're the Angels and, and you have the biggest piece and probably the best position player that this game has seen since Ken Griffey Jr., to be quite honest, and you just gotta do it. I mean, it, you, you might have to bite the bullet and do it just to better yourself for the long haul, because if you're stuck with Mike Trout and nothing else, you're not gonna go very far. It's not just not gonna happen. You can stumble on a couple draft picks that turn out fantastically, dude, but, you know, the odds of that happening aren't that good either. We've seen that the Angels well, I mean, at have that a good track also. record.
2: And by that point, also you'll you'll you know you'll wait out Trout's entire prime.
0: Right. Exactly. Exactly, dude. I mean, I, you know, it's just one of those things. Dude, you you, you it wouldn't shock me. Uh, it would probably surprise me if it was this year or even next year, but uh, you know, in the next couple of years, Mike Trout might not be an angel any much any longer because once he hits free agency anyway, he he he's still going to be in the prime of his of his career and and he's not going to be an angel anyway, man, because they're not they're not that good. And still a player like Mike Trout, who's the best player in the game, you know, arguably, he's going to want to win, man. It is what it is.
2: Yeah, and I have a feeling that I know a team that's going to line up very logically in a trade with them, with the Angels at the time at which that happens, and it'll just drive me insane because uh, Mike Trout is from South Jersey, the Philadelphia area, and uh, the Philadelphia Phillies have built a lot of talent into that farm system, and, or you know, they're a year away. They're probably a two a year or two away from being serious contenders. I mean, right now the Philadelphia Phillies are actually performing very, very well. But run differential points to the fact that they're down—they're downright like headed for serious regression because even at, at 22, at 16, at second place in the NL East, they're uh, they're still very far net negative as far as run differential goes.
0: Yeah, no, I but agree I that. could
2: see I could see Trout ending up there. That was a long way to get to that.
0: Yeah, no, no, that makes perfect that makes perfect sense, dude. I, I was thinking, you know. For, for for I bet you for for Mike Trout it would be nice to go back to the East Coast and and what better place than Philly and and around his hometown and 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 that that wouldn't surprise me man and that would probably be good for the Phillies to bring a little bit more buzz a big name and and, and get the excitement back in Philadelphia you know what I mean
2: Yeah I'll hate it but you I, hate a lot I, I can of see things
0: happening you hate most I know. things we talk about here Well it's
2: it's what makes me me get off
0: my lawn <sighs> Pretty much. <laughs> alright man you
2: got anything else no no I got nothing else I got nothing else awesome. uh, just going to see Scherzer at, Cindergard at the at, at the park on Tuesday night
0: oh man you enjoy
2: that I'm a little jealous that's for sure yeah it should be a fun matchup alright that brings us to this uh, abridged version of the 7th inning stretch we'll be back at you guys in no time so uh, thanks for listening and uh, have a nice night bye everybody